guys, welcome back to the Always Create Podcast. Uh, it's your host, Chase and Asa, back from a little bit of a hiatus to get season two uh, kicked off. Yeah, you know, I'm excited. We took, a, we took a good break um, to reflect and think about things and kind of just focus on ourselves. We got, we got pretty busy with our respective things, so I think, uh, I think we have some good opportunities to come back and get focused again on it, you know? Yeah, I'm looking forward to getting started for sure. I feel like uh, when we took a break, we really needed it, um, and I was feeling like I wasn't really going to miss it, and these past couple of weeks, I've definitely been looking forward to getting back at it. Yeah, because we, we definitely were feeling like we were running out of, not necessarily running out of things to talk about, but we were just feeling like, um, I don't know, just that we weren't contributing enough, that like, we weren't making enough value out of the time that we had, mm-hmm. but uh, I don't know, we've, we've been really productive, we've had a good couple of months in between our our sessions here and i think we got a lot of a lot of insights offer that's going to be a bit better so like yeah i've been definitely been thinking the same thing because like um at first you were kind of the one who was like yeah let's like let's just take a break from it and i was kind of like i was more reluctant to do so but like i saw what you were saying too um and then like the longer we were away from it i was like yeah you're like you were definitely right about that and now that we're uh now that we can get back to it i'm feeling like super excited and i'm feeling like 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 you said like we're just excited to get back to it you know mm-hmm. it's, we've been looking forward to it yeah, so with that being said, uh, let's go ahead and hop right into episode one of season two. Yeah. Um, I want to talk a little bit about responsibility and planning for the future and then how we're going to use that to set up success later in life. Yeah, sounds good. So um, I think the responsibility and planning for the future has really hit home with me recently because I've taken such a, I don't, I, I guess a big position on planning every last little thing. Cause I, I know our episode with Carlos, um, Carlos Ribeiro, we were talking a little bit about how, like how we planned out our time. Mm-hmm. And at the time I w- was occasionally planning out my days like hourly and planning out like my, my days and weeks in advance. But, uh, I've started planning a lot, lot more planning out every single day, writing down exactly what my goals are, what time I'm going to start on each of those items. And my productivity just shot through the roof, man. Like it was, it was going crazy. I was doing so much more consistently because that's the big thing is like you can be great for a little bit you can do really well for a small short time but the really big key is consistently performing at a higher level you know like that's the real key to improving and getting better you know Mm -hmm. yeah Uh, I I definitely had a similar experience to you um because when we talked about when we were talking with Carlos I remember that I had the least amount of scheduling basically in my time between you two um and I noticed at the end of this past semester like when the season was winding down and I was only having one class a day because of finals uh, I just didn't have anything to do for my day and I felt really unproductive and so I made sure that when I got back the first week that I got back um, from school I had that whole week planned out before I was even in town and it flew by I got a whole bunch of stuff done and now like I basically just need to have most of my day planned out otherwise I just feel like I'm not getting enough done yeah no I'm definitely in the same situation now because uh, I'm not going home for some break. I finished the school last week and I'm staying in town so I can work and like work at a, at a job and continue working on music and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And I mean, because of that, like my entire day is just like wide open. And if I don't have stuff planned, if I'm not very diligent about it, then like you said, like the day just, whether it actually does or uh, doesn't, it just feels like it went to waste, you know? Yeah. It's like definitely planning a lot like planning the small stuff because you don't you don't really think about it you think that like it's gonna be fine it's not a big deal um to let a couple hours slip by here and there and it's, and it's fine like on a grand scheme of things though that all adds up you know mm-hmm. like every day an hour or two wasted like that adds up to a lot of freaking hours and like when you're when you're trying to get to ten thousand hours or when you're trying to get to perfection when you're trying to get to an ultimate level of success those hour and that hour or two every single day that's 700 hours a year that's almost a thousand a thousand hours a year. You know that adds up yep. over a grand or over a long term. You know. Yeah, and there's just so much more you could be doing with it, like you said. Instead of spending an hour or two hours, you know, on your phone, on YouTube, watching TV or whatever, you could be uh, using that to add to whatever craft you're building out already, or you could be using that time to start something new. Um, so you just really can't afford can't afford it. And that kind of goes back to something that we've talked about quite a few times, um, and that's being passionate about what you're doing because if you're struggling to find motivation you're struggling to be like oh i want to do this i got to get up and like work on this if you're struggling to find that then maybe you're doing the wrong thing you know Mm -hmm. because if you're if you don't have the desire to 
then it's going to be really hard to sustain that over a long term if you're just not passionate about it. It's it's so much harder to do the diligence of it, to be passionate about it. it it's just so much harder to keep going. You know, I'm really glad that you brought up the passion because uh, I didn't touch my camera basically um, this entire last semester. Um, and the couple times I tried to schedule shoots, they didn't work out for whatever reason. And even though I wanted to go out and shoot, I was feeling really discouraged because every time I would put the time and effort in to plan something, it just wouldn't pan out. Um, but I found that something that helped kind of keep that passion alive was making sure I had things planned for when I got home. So, you know, even though I was at school and I had about a month left, I was reaching out to people to get things sorted so that as soon as I got back into Vegas, I would have a whole bunch of things to shoot. And when I got back, for the first four out of the five days I was here, I had shoots back to back to back. And now I'm like out of the rut, really feeling like I'm picking up my camera for the first time again and really excited to get back into it after being in a slump for so long. And so I think that maybe if you're in a rough patch which what with whatever it is and you can't really get out of it in the moment, even if you plan your escape eventually, that can definitely help you be motivated to get back into things. Yeah, I think that that's really important what you just said because like it was the same thing for me. The last couple of weeks of school, I picked up a job and having to balance, you know, getting ready for finals and the final projects and all this. And then with, um, for me, the first time having like an actual job where I had to go and clock in and clock out and stuff like that, you know, um, having to balance that was really hard for me. So for the last couple of weeks of school, it was, it was a big challenge for me to, to get with music. And for me, Music is a really big confidence thing. When I want, when I sit down to make a beat, it's a, it's a big confidence thing. When I sit down to write and I deliver the lyrics and whatever, it's a huge amount of confidence. And when you're not constantly building that up over the past like couple of days or a couple of weeks of doing it every day and doing it really well, then when you take a little bit of a break and try to come back to it, like you said, like you're in a rut and it's hard to it's hard to get mm -hmm. going again. So having that planned out, where um you're going super super hard for just like a week straight that's going to get you through that rut really quickly and get you back into a really good place. Yeah. So I really like that, especially like when you're taking a big break from it and just going back at it super, super hard. That helps a lot. Yeah, I agree. And I think that for me, I know that it's always my editing that I think is garbage after I've taken a break. And so I found that if I've taken a really long time off and I schedule one shoot, I'm super unhappy with it. And so I had... Um, two shoots that were for people's senior pictures. And so I needed, I knew that I needed to get that one like practice run in before. So I did one that was just creative, kind of conceptual for myself that actually went a lot better than I was anticipating. And that confidence carried over and I was able to execute the senior shoots um, with ease. Like I hadn't been taking a break. So I think that, um, you know, not only scheduling a bunch of things just for the sake of keeping yourself busy, but just so that if you have projects that are more important, you schedule those kind of, on the tail end after you've had a couple goes at it to shake off the rust essentially yeah you know what? i really like that too can you uh can you expand on that a little bit like what you what you were talking about with the uh the creative shoot that you did beforehand and that it worked out a lot better what was that yeah was so that process? um i just went out because you know it's nice to come back and be able to just shoot with no pressure you know and when you're taking someone's graduation or senior photo photos, yeah. there's a little bit of pressure because, you know, you have this one moment, like you can't just redo these whenever. Obviously, it's a busy time of year, whatever, they're getting things done. And so I reached out uh, to a friend of mine, shout out Alexa. I think you know Alexa. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mamuchi. And we just walked around Fremont Street downtown area with no real expectation for what we were going to get from the day, just to see what was out there. Um, it was kind of an odd time of day, too. I think it was like 2 p.m., so the lighting was really harsh. And we were just out there having fun. It was super relaxed, super low key. Um, like I said, no expectation for getting anything. And usually it's not the shoot itself that will go wrong, in my opinion. Uh, it's when I sit back down and get to editing and I just feel like I don't know what I'm doing, you know, because I haven't touched Lightroom and Photoshop for months. And I sat down and I was looking at these pictures. And I'm like, okay, like I did a really good job getting these straight out of camera. So it wasn't that much work that I needed to do. And I think that you know, looking back now on some of the shoots that I felt like weren't good because they were after a big break, it was more in my head than anything else, you know? And oh, I was yeah. able to kind of bypass that time where I felt like, oh, like, I don't know what I'm doing anymore. I need to relearn this because I just went in with no expectation. I'm like, this is going to be whatever it is. And it turned out, it turned out good. I think that's the, that one thing that gets brought up when you talk about it like that is the repetition of it. Because like, you, you've done it so many times already mm. that like, yeah, your confidence is a little bit lower, but you know what you're doing. You know what things are right. and you know how to make things look better. 
Um, and it's the same thing for me with music is in that, like, if I take a big break and I come back to it, it's like, I still know how to write lyrics. I still know how to make a good melody. I still know how to do these things. You know, I didn't forget how to do that. And I can just rely on that muscle memory. But like, yes, you need the confidence to trust yourself and just do things. But if you can go in with, uh, in a, in a low stress situation, in a low pressure situation and just kind of do whatever and have no expectation for it, then things are going to turn out really well for you. Yeah, I agree. I'm actually reading this book um, called The Inner Game of Tennis right now. I don't know if you've read it um, before. What's it called? The Inner Game of Tennis. Okay. And basically it's about um, how our mind impacts performance. And one of the things, and it's through the lens of teaching someone how to play tennis uh, with the former tennis pro who's giving lessons to people. And one of the big... um, kind of ideas of the book is that doing things with no expectation is going to yield better results. So um, for the example given in the book, if you're trying to practice your backhand and you go in thinking, okay, like I need to perfect this, um, you're going to tense up and it's going to ruin everything. But if you go in just thinking, okay, let me just hit a couple of backhands just to see what it looks like. The mistakes that you have already are going to fix themselves. And I think that that was what I experienced going in with no expectation. It was whatever kind of rust I had just kind of shook off as the shoot went off rather than thinking, okay, like I need to fix all of this immediately. It just kind of fixed itself. Cause like you said, all right, I've done it so many times. I already knew what I was doing. You know, I've never even thought about it like that before because it's definitely true for me too. It's like, I think one of the biggest struggles for me when I'm coming back from a break and getting back into music is the actual delivery of my, of my lyrics. And I really struggle with that because I have this expectation of, oh, I've done so-and-so that was really good already. I need to be at that level or better. And when I have that expectation, I, I get really shaky. My voice just isn't powerful. It doesn't deliver right. right. And, you know, like that's when I start having the, the big struggles with my delivery is when I have these huge expectations on myself. It, it, that's when I struggle with the, the delivery aspect of it is when I'm lacking in the confidence and when I, or not lacking the confidence, when, uh, I have these expectations about what I'm trying to do or about what level I'm trying to achieve that that's my biggest issue right there. Mm -hmm. So I I think that's really important. And you know, who talks about that a lot is Gary V. He talks about having no expectations, um, particularly in giving stuff away. He constantly giving out value, giving out advice and encouraging people who listen to and follow him to do work for free and just generally be a really good person in your community, in your niche um, without expecting anything in return because you can't be let down that way. You can't lose when you're not expecting anything in return at all because then you're doing your best work. You're giving your best advice. You're giving your best and most valuable value and expecting absolutely nothing in return. So it's impossible to lose when you're doing that. And he talks about that a lot. And this is kind of, it, it, it kind of two separate topics, but kind of one and the same because it's the same concept uh, mm-hmm. to apply those two concepts of doing work for free and expecting something back um, or uh, trying to perform and do something and expecting to be at a certain level. Yeah, I think that the takeaway that we can have from both of the situations is that having an expectation can kind of ruin it. You know, if you're coming out after a big break and you expect something to turn out super great, um, you're kind of setting yourself up for failure. And if you do something for free and you expect to get something out of it, you're going to be upset when you don't. And I think that's a really good segue to our next kind of thing that we want to talk about, which was um, when you're planning for the future and you're planning out your events, how do you plan out the long term? Do you plan out when you're going to be successful? Because, you know, that in itself is placing an expectation on you. Mm. You're, You're expecting, hey, I'm going to be successful in two years, in three years. And if I'm not, then... You know, there's a possibility you're going to be disappointed. You're going to be put. You're putting yourself under pressure to get to a successful level at that point in time. Yeah. Do you think that's a good thing? Do you think that's something that needs to be rectified? And you need to have more of like a. I think. I think one thing Gary used to say um, was having a macro patience, but a micro uh, speed. Speed. Micro mm-hmm. speed. Yeah. Um, I think that it is important to set goals, um, but I know for me, I like to set goals and things that I can control and then things that I don't have control over, have less control over. I don't really put time periods on them. Um, So like for my lifting goals and let's say my distance goals for track, I'll say, you know, within a year, I want to achieve this because that's something that I have complete control over. You know, it's dependent on the kind of work that I put in. 
Um, but for things like uh, photography, where you know I don't really have control over how many people I'm doing shoots for because they have to reach out to me. You know, those are kind of looser goals. Um, but I do think that goal setting is important because it gives you something to look forward to and it gives you something to strive to, but it can't be the end all be all for like who you are as a person or as a creative or as a business person or whatever. You know what I mean? Why not? What should be then? Uh, I think you just have to focus on the things you're doing. So kind of like the daily, you know, getting better, like 1% better every day or just a little bit better because at the end of the day, you have control over that. But there are so many things that factor in to your success on a larger scale and in the long term that you don't have as much control over it. You know, so like, let's say, let's say you said you wanted to do music full time in six months, right? Yeah. Like, even though you have a bunch of control over how much you're working and how much you're working at that, it's not all in your hands, you know? So if you're like, oh, well, if I'm not doing music full time in six months, then I am terrible as a musician and I don't want to do this anymore. I think that's setting yourself up for failure. Okay. Yeah. As you're saying, because I was thinking that too, and I was like, you know, if I want to have like, let's say X amount of streams by a certain date, I can only put out so much music and hope that I get the response back. You know, Mm -hmm. like I can't force people to listen to it, but I can, I can make the goal of putting out 10 songs by the end of the year or, um, but I can't really dictate, Hey, I'm not going to say I have to have 10,000 streams by the end of the year because yeah. I can't control how many streams my songs are getting. I can only control how many songs I'm putting out, the quality of the songs I'm putting out, the frequency at which I'm putting them out and all that good stuff, you know? Yep. And, you know, I think when you focus on your output, that's setting you up for eventual success. I know I was watching a Gary Vee video um, a couple of days ago and he said, you know, it only took me 20 years to become an overnight success. Um, and so I think that, you know, if you focus on what you're doing on a daily, weekly, monthly basis, eventually your time's going to come. But I don't really believe on putting time constraints on it just because you never know when that's going to be. Yeah. One thing I love to say is that you have to control the controllables. You have to, like like you were saying the same thing, you have to control um, the things that you can control because there's some things that are out of your control. There's some things that you're that are just simply out of your reach, out of your realm of things that are controllable mm-hmm. you can work you can control the work rate you can control the quality you can control the frequency you can control the consistency you can control a lot of different things that will eventually end up in success no matter what like it's just an inevitable inevitable um uh end point of certain habits you know mm-hmm. and you just have to pick the right habits that's that's a key thing there but it's not that hard to pick the right habits you know like for me it's just doing it again every single day learning a little bit every single day about the music theory about the sound design about the the mixing the mastering whatever and if i just do that every single day it's going to end up in in, uh in success yep and so i want to use this as a little bit of a transition our next which is personal investment because i see the things that i do on a daily basis as me investing my time into getting myself better so i want to get kind of your view on what you think of when you hear personal investments and just give us some examples of some things that you're doing, whether it's here with your time or your skills or money or what. Man, I hear personal investments and I always immediately think of monetary investments, mm-hmm. um, which is really important, obviously, because there's quite a few things out there that require some kind of, there's some kind of threshold of payment that require you to make that investment to get started, to get going and to, to grow and to gradually get better. Not everything is, and there are uh, a handful of things out in the world that require absolutely no monetary investment. But for me, that investment includes a lot of gear. It includes a microphone, it includes audio interfaces, studio monitors, a, a computer itself, um, plugins to mix and master and uh, VSTs, et cetera. You know, the list, the list goes on and on and on. Those are all monetary investments that are investments into myself because I need these products to make better music. Um, and there is definitely like a, a threshold that I haven't hit yet with the gear that I have, you know, because that, that's an important thing that you can't get hung up on. Like I could be sitting here in my room and be like, damn, I really need to get, um, all kinds of soundproofing equipment and acoustic treatment for my room. 
or else I'm never going to be able to make a, a quality mix and a quality master. And that's just simply not true, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I just need to learn the way things sound in my room. I need to know what a good mix sounds like in my room. That's the key component there. And I can't let the fact that I don't have an acoustically treated room, uh, I can't I can't use that barrier to prevent me from making better music, you know? I have to figure it out f- with what I have in order to get better. And then at some point, I'll get to a point where... I have started to hit my head on something and I need to make that investment. I need to make the, or take that next step so that I can take my music to the next level. But for a lot of things, you don't ever hit that level. You just think that you need that next thing to get there. And it's really hard to have the patience to keep doing um, what you're doing with what you have until you hit your head on that level. And it's hard to know. I think it, I think it is hard to know when you've officially hit that point where you have to make an monetary investment to get to the next level. But at some point, it does happen. Um, and it's important to, to plan those out. It's important to know exactly what needs to happen. And it's important to know when you can do that and the cost of it, you know? Mm-hmm. Because I can't just be like, I can't be completely blind at the fact that my next audio interface is going to cost me $2,000. You know, I have to plan that out. I have to save up for it. And I have to make sure that it's that's the, that's the component holding me back. So that those $2,000 are um usually the actual best uh capacity that they can be you know yeah yeah i think that um when you plan out something that's a big purchase it really makes you question if you need it you know while you're, yeah yeah definitely. While you're building up to save it because like last year i was saving up i needed a thousand dollars to buy a new camera and i spent the summer working for it and there were a couple times in there i was like wow like do i really need to spend all this money on a camera yeah. And I don't think that you can ever really be certain if you need the upgrade or not until you do it, you know? It's like you, I think that's true. You pull the trigger, you spend the cash, and you get the thing, and either you realize, wow, I really did need this, and it's going to take my work to the next level, or wow, I didn't need to do this, and now you know, you know, moving forward. But I think you just kind of have to do it before you realize whether it was the right choice or not. Well, one way I think about it a lot, and that helps me, is thinking how long is it actually going to take me to save up that amount of money so that I can reasonably afford to purchase that and how many hours am I putting it to get to that point? So like, let's, let's, let's say I want to buy something that's like $5,000. If my paycheck coming in every two weeks is $600, that's going to take me, um, what, five paychecks to get to, right? Mm-hmm. Wait, did I say 5,000 or 3,000? I don't know. Let's just say 3,000. All right. So, so five, five. three. I think I said five. Yeah, let's say let's say three thousand. Three thousand divided by six hundred would give me five paychecks to get to that point, right? Five paychecks is ten weeks. Ten weeks is two and a half months. So is it reasonable for me to put in two and a half months of effort for this one product? Like in two and a half months, am I gonna get better? Am I still gonna need that? Um, I think that helps me make a decision on whether or not that product is worth my time. Because like for me, the audio interface, that that is going to be worth my time. I think that's something that's going to be a, a quality investment that's going to substantially improve my music. And I'm going to have a lot of time to get to that point. And, you know, if I need to change my mind, if I need to pick a different product, I have the opportunity by planning out for it. But looking at it in terms of how much time it's going to take me to get to that point definitely helps me evaluate whether or not it's actually a reasonable investment for me. Mm-hmm. So... If you were to give advice to someone who's just starting in music and like they're making, they're looking to make their first purchase for gear, do you think that it would be better to start with something not as good that they're going to need to upgrade in a little bit or to start with the next step up so that their ceiling for what they can do with their gear is higher than if they had that beginner piece of equipment? Uh, I think the beginner piece of equipment because there is such a high ceiling um, on I would say like 95% of the gear that you get initially. Mm-hmm. I would say like the biggest inhibitor is probably your actual computer because you can only do so much with a computer, you know? Mm-hmm. So that would that would be the biggest place I would splurge, splurge as a as a very beginner producer um or artist, you know? But yeah, I would say definitely the beginner levels and entry level stuff because there's just it really is such a high level uh or a high ceiling before you really need to make upgrades to get better and to get to a, a next level um because there's just so much in the actual 
post-processing stage and the mixing stage and the mastering stage that can improve your music. And I'm sure it's the same with uh, photography. Like you can take a really bad camera, but if somebody knows how to use that camera and they know how to edit their pictures, they can look a lot better than somebody who has much nicer gear. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. But I think I am going to disagree with you on the gear side, but um, there's a reason behind it. So the camera that I have right now is the Canon 6D, right? This is my second camera. Um, you can get them for about $800. Um, and the first camera that I had was the little Canon Rebel, which is really popular when people get their first cameras. Now that is like five or $600 brand new. I got my, um, my, the one I have now used. And so I think that it would be better for someone to get the 6D. It's an older camera. It's a little over 10 years old now. Um, but it, it was a professional camera when it came out at the time and just get like a hundred dollar lens because the ceiling for that setup is so much higher and you're going to end up saving money in the long run because you're not really going to need to upgrade that unless you are a legitimate professional photographer you know what i mean right yeah but i mean it's a little different here because i don't think that you really buy um your music equipment used so there's kind of a different market there no i mean you definitely can there's a lot of stuff that you absolutely could buy use mm -hmm. um but you know there's there's just the worry factor of is it actually like going to work yeah um and in a lot of instances it does and you could buy from authorized retailers people like refurbished products that are you know actually certified to like they're gonna work properly whatever work properly um but it's just i think for music that the entry level gear it, it just it works really well it's tried and true stuff it's cheap it's it's simple to use you know um like i have a focus right solo on my uh for my current audio interface and it's it's a hundred dollar piece of equipment but it gets the job done it's bus powered it's super easy to use um setup super easy like it, it definitely gets the job done um and i've had it like almost since the day i started making music and i really don't need to upgrade it um I haven't needed to upgrade, I should say, because mm -hmm. I'm at a point where I'm ready to upgrade it. I'm like, I'm thinking that that's the next piece of equipment to get, but I haven't needed to upgrade it in almost two years where I've put in tons and tons and tons of hours into learning and understanding what it is that I need to make better music, you know? Yeah. So I think there's a lot of beginner equipment in music that you can make do with, but um, I definitely see your point about the camera uh, being a necessary initial upgrade to make. And I think and that... It's less, uh, it has less to do with the actual performance of the gear and more to do with like a long-term, um, like saving money long-term, you know what I mean? Why spend $1,300 on camera equipment within a year when you could just spend 800 the first time around, you know? Since the price difference isn't that large, I say you just go for the, you know, next level up to start. Well, I didn't really understand that. Say that again. So if you were to buy the entry level camera for five hundred dollars new, okay, and then a, oh, and yeah, then a yeah, year yeah, later, you know, saying. a year later buy the eight hundred dollar one, you could have saved the five hundred by just buying. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the okay. only reason why. If, if the, um, I would say if price wasn't a factor, then I would say yeah, go ahead and buy the entry level one because I found that I could, you know, take amazing pictures with the setup that I had. Um, so yeah. Yeah, but I think the the big thing to consider there is just the the marginal benefit. You know, the just how much is that extra hundred, two hundred, three hundred dollars really going to benefit me? And for you, that extra three hundred dollars makes a huge difference. Mm -hmm. For me, with this, like in particular, my audio interface, a hundred dollars upgrading three hundred, four hundred dollars really isn't getting me uh, a piece of equipment that is so, that much better. Yeah. That is really like game changer for me. I'm gonna have to splurge like almost an additional thousand dollars to get a piece of equipment that like really changes my game. And that, that's that's a huge difference in price, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it's just marginal benefit that is super important when you're evaluating personal investments like that. Yeah. But. The other side of that, um, like I said at the beginning of this, this little rant was that you have your monetary investments, and that's what I immediately think of when I think of personal investment, but you definitely have your time investments too. What do you think about that? Uh, time investments are something that kind of just comes naturally to me, I found over the years. Um, like I pick up something because I like it or because I think it's a hobby, and then I keep working at it just because I enjoy doing it, and then you know I look up six months later and I'm like, wow, this is actually really helped me you know whether it was going to the gym every day 
just because I enjoyed it. Um, or if it was taking pictures every day when I first got my camera, cause I enjoyed it. And you know, you look up and you see how much you've improved and you're like, wow, you know, all the time that I spent doing this just cause I enjoyed it has really put me in a position to be successful. Um, and I think that for me, when I put investments of my time, it has to be something that I'm doing kind of on a subconscious level, because if I'm doing it because like, I'm like, oh, well in six months, I know this is going to be good for me, but I'm not enjoying it. it it's going to be really difficult for me to, uh, be consistent with. Yeah, as you're saying, um, and I think another point to bring up here is that like, there's bad investments in time. Mm -hmm. Like, there's always bad investments, but I think when you hear the term of person like time investments, you don't necessarily think of the the bad ones. You think of oh, like yeah, I'm gonna work out and like that's a really good use of my time. But you also got to think of the half hour it took you to get out of bed to get to the gym and the half hour you spend between the gym and the shower and then the 45 minute shower you take, you know, et cetera. And th- those are bad investments in time. You know, you, that's almost two hours of time that you could have spent, you know, doing literally anything else. Mm-hmm. And so you gotta, you gotta be really conscious of those, those in between times that are, those are still investments. Those are still like time is, time is literally money, you know, and you're investing it in these insignificant things that add up to, again, a big, big difference over over a week over a month over a year you know i think it's really interesting that you brought that up because i definitely feel like a lot of the time that i lose is in transition between doing things yeah um that's not something that i had thought about before that's pretty interesting no i've definitely noticed that for me i think um after the gym is one of my worst times because i I get up and i'm pretty good about getting out getting out of my house and getting out of the bed getting Mm. to the gym but then coming home, it's like, oh, man, like I'm tired now and I want to shower and like relax and take a little bit of break, make some food. And then I'll start thinking about what I need to do and start getting on with my day. And I lose almost I shouldn't say almost always, but I, I definitely lose an hour and sometimes up to two hours in that time between after the gym and getting started with the music for the day or whatever, whatever chores I have to get to that day. Um, I th- See, I noticed myself doing that. Uh, after working out specifically um, during track season when I didn't have a class or something to run to immediately after practice. And I found that something that helped is I would ice my back or ice whatever I needed to ice immediately after finishing with practice. And so that way I had kind of 20 minutes to chill out, but I was still getting something done. And after that 20 minutes, I'm like, okay, like I'm good. I sat down, I'm ready to go. So just kind of finding something to fill in that little bit of time so you feel like you're resting but you're also still being productive and that's definitely hard for college students because like we we get to build our schedules yes but like when your schedules are having to be filled by different departments and Mm -hmm. whatever else you you end up with these such awkward like hour and a half or less gaps you know and it's just like what the hell am i supposed to do with this because like i could go home and then i gotta leave after like 10 minutes of being home and then i just waste all that time or i can stay on campus but i don't really have my stuff with me it's just like it's really hard to know what to do yeah with those little bits of time um and i think probably for me the best use of time that i found for that is doing trying to do homework that i need to do um that day anyways because it's it's a small enough uh, assignment that i can do it away from home like I don't need to be I don't know in the library necessarily but I can also um like just any kind of small learning things I think is what I'm trying to say yeah because like the homework's important yes um then I when I get home I don't have to worry about it and then also like just learning um like how a particular um part of my DAW works or a particular plugin or just like a particular piece of equipment that I'm looking into like filling up those times with trying to learn and trying to just squeeze the most out of it you possibly can because it's hard to, but getting on your phone and making that investment into social media, unless it's like, you know, actual like business related social media time, it's really hard or it's really easy to let that time slip away and think it's not very impactful, but it can be very impactful, you know? Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And I think that um, when you try to make the most out of little moments like that, kind of like what you're we talking about earlier, it's going to build up over time and eventually you're going to be more successful um, because of that. And so speaking of success, I want to segue a little bit into that. We've talked about planning and investing for the future. And when you're thinking about your future, for most people, you're doing it so that you can be successful. So I want to talk a little bit about what your definition of successful is first, and then we'll um, kind of venture out into a little, into a few more topics. Man, success for me, 
I don't, I don't think about it a whole lot in terms of like what the end goal of success looks like. I think I think about it in terms of what are my goals that I'm hoping to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, there's one kind of very uh, broad goal that I haven't, very i haven't really implemented it too much in my life but it's something that the more that i've thought about it and the more that i have implemented it i've realized it's super super important to me and that's just being able to do what i want Mm -hmm. that that's literally one of my biggest goals is just being able to live a life where i get to do what i want to do because that's the ultimate way to be happy you know if every day i get to wake up and i get to make music because i want to make music like what a good life that is, you know, like I would love that life and like whatever it is that that is for you, whatever you want to do, like just getting to do that every single day. That's, that's a beautiful thing. That's incredible. And if you get to have that life, then you're incredibly gifted and lucky. I shouldn't say lucky. I, don't, I hate, I hate using the word lucky, but you know, like you're just, that's, that's such an amazing life that that is the ultimate goal for me is just being able to do what I want. Um, and part of what I want to do, one of the measures of success that I have for me in my life is getting to tour. I want to tour so bad. I would love to go and visit parts of the country that I've never been to before and revisit parts of the country that I have been to before performing shows on the road. You know, like that would be, that's one of my biggest measures of success um, outside of just being able to do what I want is actually touring. So for me, those are the two biggest things that define success for me that I'm working towards. Um, and I think another one is just the fact that I get to make music every day, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's not that I'm doing this full time, but I make the time for it and I love doing it. And, and that makes me happy, you know? Like that to me is is a pretty good level of success because there's some people who really don't get to do what they want to do. They don't really get to live a life that they're happy with. And I think that is in a lot of our controls, but we don't even realize it, you know? Like we, we have the ability to control our destiny, control our life day to day, but we don't really realize that. We think that things are difficult to change and we're scared to change. We, we get stuck in our comfort zone, even though we're not super happy in our comfort zone. And that's a really scary place to be. Um, in fact, now that I'm saying that, that's probably like one of the worst situations you can be in is being in your comfort zone, but not necessarily being happy in your comfort zone, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean that kind of that kind of wraps it up for me. Like that's that's how I would define success is just the fact that I get to make music every day when I want to, getting to do what I want in a in a more broad sense. You know, like when I get to have a family, is am I getting to be with my family when I want to be with my family, or am I going to be stuck doing something that I don't really want to be doing when I would rather be investing time into my family or whatever that is? You know. Yeah, I um I definitely have a similar kind of general definition of success for me i just don't want to work for anybody like yeah once i'm into my actual career i don't want to have a boss um and that kind of plays into being able to do whatever i want to do just because i know that if i don't have someone who's scheduling my time for me i'll be able to get done what i need to get done uh in a timely manner and having someone kind of over me could interfere with that so yeah i just don't want to have a boss and i think for more um for more specific definitions um i want to open a gym that's been a goal of mine for years you know um yeah of course and then you know i don't really know what my big goal is for photography i just want to like i don't know if i necessarily want it to be a career i just want it to be something that like i'm good at and have um like have the connections to be able to express myself creatively in like a quality way, I guess is the best way that I can put that. Okay. So I, I'm wondering, do you think that you can get to that point? Well, hold on. So say, say that last bit again. You you just want to be able to express your, express myself yourself. creatively, but in like a really high quality kind of way. Okay. Are you ever hoping that it can be a source of income for you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. But, like, I don't want to be... Like, I don't want photographers to be the only thing that I am. You know what I mean? Because I I definitely think that I have uh, more of a passion for exercise and lifting. So if I had to pick a box to put myself in, it would be, um, you know, like a trainer, like gym owner, who's also a photographer, you know, not the other way around. 
Right. Okay. Um, but I definitely do want it to be a source of income just because it's something that I enjoy. And when you're making money doing something you enjoy, it doesn't really feel like work, which is a big, a big deal for me. Yeah. Do you think that you can get to that super high level without it being necessarily your number one goal? Um, uh, can you explain that a little bit more? Well, like I'm thinking right now for myself and it's like, I want to make music. That is my ultimate, ultimate goal. Mm -hmm. Um, but to get to where I want to go and the path that I want to take, I have to wear a lot of different hats. I have to wear the hat of promoter, advertiser, um, booking agent, and just like all these different kinds of hats. But none of those are like the careers that I want to go in. And I'm not expecting necessarily, um, to make, um, any kind of like, I guess a hobby out of any of that. And I think an area that relates more closely to what you're saying, because those are necessary jobs in my career that I want. Mm -hmm. I think something closer to the, to an example that you have is, um, that I want to make music videos. And for me, part of that process is going to be having the camera, directing the video, editing the video. And pretty much the only part of the process that I'm going to have somebody else involved in is, you know, the actual filming of it because I can't be in front of and behind the camera at the same time, you know? Right. Um, but I don't think that I'm ever going to be at a point where I want to shoot music videos for anybody else because that's just mm, okay. that that's a part of what I need to do so that I can be successful as a musician. Yeah. But I need to do that to get to a high level as a musician. So do you think that you can get to a high level as a photographer when that's not your number one goal? Because it, it's kind of it's not really helping you with your 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 main goal, which is, like you said, fitness, if you had to pick one. Mm -hmm. Well, the way that I've been thinking about it is that the things that I need to do in order to reach my goals for both fitness and photography are going to be kind of complementary. just because uh, personal training when you first start is very similar to freelance photography. You know, you kind of have to go out and right. put yourself out there, find your own business, market yourself in such a way. So I think that the things that I do for both of them will help the other. Um, and like I could make connections in the fitness industry by doing photo shoots for people. You know what I mean? So I think that there can be crossover. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I guess a better way to explain my end goal for photography is that I don't ever want to have to take shoots that I don't want to do, you know, like that's, I think that's the reason okay. why I don't want it to be my main source of income, you know, like I, in, I don't know, five years, I don't really want to be taking senior photos, you know, unless it's for, I don't know, someone someone famous like of yours that you want to take. yeah either yeah. like a friend or like a kid of someone famous or you know what i'm saying like yeah so i, no, I told you what you're saying i just like want to be in the industry i guess like in the creative industry without having to do it just to make money off of it yeah no i can tell you you're saying with that because like i i can that's similar eh, there's a similar situation for me with that in that i wouldn't necessarily want to uh, give beats to somebody who I don't really believe in their music. I don't really believe in what they're rapping about or the quality of the rapping. Mm -hmm. But at this point in my career, I'm not going to say no to a $30 lease for a beat. You know? Right, exactly. Um, but long term and ultimately, I'm definitely going to be turning those down. But right now, I'm not going to turn those down because mm -hmm. you know I need, I need the damn money for it. You know? Yeah, that's a perfect way to put it. Like right now, um, I'm taking senior pictures for everybody just because I need it. And the more money that I make through photography is the more money that I can funnel back into it, you know, you know how the process works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But exactly. I want there to be an end to that, you know, where it comes to a point where I am only doing shoots that I absolutely want to do because I'm interested in it or, you know, whatever the reason may be. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, we kind of already talked about this before. Do you do you have a place, do you have a, a point in time where you think that you're going to be successful? Do you have a time frame on that? Oh, absolutely. Do you personally have one? Absolutely not. I mean, obviously, I want to be successful yeah. sooner rather than later. Um, but no. But for you, since like you're just enjoying it, it's just like it'll happen when it happens, and I'm going to keep doing me until I do it there. Yeah, basically, because I found um, that the less I worry about when things happen, um, the more fun I have and the quicker they seem to happen. Like I know last year – so last summer, um, this was right before – I had been doing photography for a year. So it was about May um, was when I had my first like paid shoots. And it was a new experience for me. And then they happened. There was two of them. One was a grad photo and one was just um, like a personal session. And after that happened, you know, I was like, okay, like when am I going to get another one? And I was super like 
anxious to get another one. I was like posting on my story, like, hey, I'm doing shoots, like hit me up, hit me up, and nobody was hitting me up. And it kind of sucked the joy out of taking pictures because I was just yeah. waiting for someone to book me. And that's all I was focused on and doing things, you know, creatively for myself. Um, there was no like joy in that. So I'm not really worried about it. Like they're gonna come. And I think that the more that I focus on building myself, obviously the higher quality my work will be and then the more people will want to book me so it'll happen when it happens um i guess to put like a number to it i would like to feel successful um before 30 because i feel like you know it's 10 years away that's a that's a good amount of time realistically thinking yeah, in a long time yeah. um but yeah no real like oh i have to do this in five years otherwise blah 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 i don't really have that okay i got you um, but like, th- like I was just thinking, you know, you, we obviously we love Monty Booker, mm-hmm. um, great producer, and he's been doing some Twitter rants recently, and people keep asking him like, what do you do for beat block? What do you do when you get stuck in that that place oh, where yeah. you just can't make anything? You know, I saw that thread, um, and you you kind of kind of similar situation for you where you you weren't necessarily in a in a creative block, but you were just expecting somebody to pay you, and you're just like mm-hmm. you it was sucking the joy out of it for you. And I think a really good way to prevent that is one, like you were saying, not have the expectation of it, just doing it because you're enjoying it and having fun with it, but being creative, learning something new and just, just trying something completely different is a really, really good way to keep up your passion for it and never get bored with it and constantly have these new ideas flowing. Because when you're trying different things, you're just, you're getting so much more inspiration and you're, you're growing your arsenal and your toolbox so that when you are back in the groove or like you're in a situation where you have to perform under pressure, you can definitely deliver on it, you know? Mm-hmm, absolutely. So I, I really liked that Monty Booker was talking about that because he's obviously such a high quality producer um, that we both enjoy quite a bit. So, Man, yeah. speaking of Monty Booker, um, even though I said that I don't really have a real number on it. Seeing people like him who are so successful at a young age, it's like inspiring, but it also makes me put more pressure on myself. I'm like, if if yeah. other people can be this successful at 23, 24, 25, whatever. He's like, only 23? What is he? I'm, I'm I think curious. he's 20. I think he just turned 25. But like, I was watching an old interview of his and he produced, uh, he produced like all of Smino's first album when he was like, 20 21 23 or 21 really young uh i think the dude's only 22 bro no way i think so hold on let me, nah, let me look a little bit more for this that's not right that's not right because he just turned 20 something because i mean it's dated january 19 2018 so he could be what like two years older than that already so he could be 24 by now if i'm doing the math right if i'm thinking about that right um, so I'm very curious now. Oh yeah, all right. This one says 23. He's super young. <laughs> yeah, that's the bit. That's the big point here. Um, for anyone who doesn't know who Monty Booker is, he's a producer with like a very very unique sound. Um, who produces not exclusively, but has very been very much so instrumental in creating Shmino's sound as a rapper. Um, and his whole discography is definitely shaped like they're just a compliment such a complimentary team it's kind of like uh metro and future you know like they're just they're so or metro and 21 savage i should say actually like they're very complimentary to each other's sounds and each other's success but yeah yeah very young very inspiring situation there but like you said like it's frustrating to also see that and it puts a lot of pressure on you as well um or i should say on me as well because i got dudes in my industry doing crazy things he's only a couple years older than me and he's had tons and tons of success and recognition from absolute legends like Timberland. I, I saw an interview with uh, Timberland and not an interview, but just like a conversation between Russ and, and uh, Timberland. And they were talking about how crazy Shmino and Timberland or not Timberland, Shmino and uh, Monty Booker are. So yeah, I th- it's crazy to think about that. I think on the flip side of that too, um, I think it's super inspirational when I see people who are just achieving success at an earlier age um yeah not an earlier age a later age excuse me okay yeah, um, yeah. but there's this guy uh drew he's a photographer he's really blown up on twitter i think he just hit like 60 or 70k um, d-r-u-e yeah mm-hmm. yeah he was the guy who i told you 
uh, I reached out to over Instagram, and we were supposed to shoot while I was in Cali, but we didn't. Oh, dude, that would have been good. Um, but anyhow, he is either 26 or 27, and has just been blowing up over the past, like, year, year and a half, two years. And, like, that feels yeah. super good to me because I'm like, I – like, why can't I be where he's at if not further in six years? Like, are you kidding me? Right. Yeah. yeah. So See that I'm doing, I'm thinking the exact same thing with origami um, on YouTube because his, he has his beat channel and then he has his personal vlog channel mm-hmm. and he started going super hard on his vlog channel and he had a video that went viral and he's at almost 200,000 subs now. And this video went viral like less than a month ago when previous to that video going viral, he had like 7,000 subs. Yep. Um, so and what we had been watching him on growth. youtube for what almost four years Oof, no not for me not four years no, it was like for me it was like junior year of high school not for me dude i only started listening to origami like two years ago senior year it was senior year yeah okay so two two almost three years ago um but yeah he's 25 and i i'm always thinking like damn like i really want that success for myself and then I listened to a podcast he did with Kyle Beats on Kyle Beats podcast, and he was talking about that. And like, just he's 25 years old, and I'm like, dude, I have five years to get to the same point that he's at right now. Like, that is an incredible amount of time to achieve like a huge amount of success. Yep. So like that 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 like you're saying that definitely feels good to recognize too. Yeah, and I think it's really important to have people who are inspiring you that are both young and old because it kind of goes back to um, the thing that Gary always preaches: the macro patience, micro speed. You know, when yeah. you have somebody who is a year or two years older than you, then that makes you want to go hard, you know, on a daily basis to get there. But if you have someone who's ten years older, you're like, you know, I'm gonna get there eventually. So I think it's important yeah. to have both. Definitely. All right, man. I think this is a really good place to wrap up the episode. I'm really happy with this, and I'm super glad we're getting back to this. Um, so, yeah. Thanks for listening to the Always Create podcast. You guys know where to find us on social media. Always Create underscore. Um, at always Create underscore. Wait. Wait. No, there's no there's no underscores there. Why it's, am I saying that? The underscore's at the beginning. Oh, it's at the beginning? Yeah. At underscore Always Create. Yeah, there we go. There we go. That sounds right. Um, hit us up. Let us know what you guys think of the episode, and thanks for listening. Peace.